the best day of the year. It's the best day of the year. This is my dessert for the night. <laughs> Nostalgia. Cookie-ness. How's the, uh, how's the packing going? tired but it's fine I feel like that is my natural my natural state of being at this point <laughs> I've started to sleep normally again um, I'm just <sighs> my two days off weren't like relaxing so, uh, I, well, I, I can't, so, you know, I know, but it's fine. Um, I have two more vacation days to use before next year so that they can roll over. So hopefully I will time it out right so that I'm good. I finished, oh, okay, so now, let's sync now so that we can talk shop. Okay, ready? Okay. So I've done nothing but binge watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Not Sabrina the Teenage Witch, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. There's ten. Honestly, they went by so fast I don't remember. The last one was an hour long. And I think the first one was an hour long. But I think in between that they were like normal episodes. I'm going to check. Hold on. Did you start watching it? I haven't started watching that. Yeah, that goes by really fast. Yeah, no, I just saw that today. I'm excited. Shiny. Okay. Let's do it. This is episode 19 of Left 4 Dread. I am. It's Halloween. It is. Yes, we are currently recording this on Halloween. 
which I find ex- Happy Halloween, everybody. And I find it extraordinarily fitting because we are talking about none other than Halloween 2018. Because I have the biggest horror boner for this movie. I know, I really do. It's just, ah. Uh. It did, and you know what? Bad horror, I'm a bad horror fan because I didn't have a no, it's like last week. I fucking work, man. I didn't have enough time. Let's start at the very beginning with the opening sequence of the movie. The director calls it a recalibration because basically this is like 1978 Halloween happened and then nothing else happened after that. 40 years later, direct sequel. They acknowledge like universe wise, they they don't acknowledge any of the other films, but there were nods to those movies throughout the entire film. And if you've at minimum seen the first original three You noticed all of that. Basically, I think the idea is that they they caught him 
Ugh. I'm podcasting. Yay. So we go from that to, I, I, I honestly was just, I was smiling so much throughout this entire movie because it was just, it was filled with all of these beautiful little Easter eggs and, and connections to, I mean, I think all the Halloween movies, but I'll, they relied heavily on number two, number three, mostly number two. And, um, so the opening credit sequence is a mirror image of the opening credit sequence to the original Halloween. You watch a pumpkin decompose in the original Halloween opening credit sequence. And in this one, you basically watch it being brought back to life, kind of like Michael and Lori in this. Like, it's like breathing new life into it. And I thought that was really awesome. And I mean, I'm going to go back in theaters and see this again. I'm I'm gonna end the show with that with that too but even just the way it started I was like oh my god we're back it's real it just it gave me so much nostalgia it was so nice it was so fucking great and the music too everything was just so on point So I'll be honest, I was very worried about this movie because when I read who was directing it, my heart sank. No, um, because I disliked a lot of the things he had directed and I was very unsure how I felt about someone like that directing something that was... I mean, very near and dear to the horror community in general. Not just me.
Well, because here's the thing. So, Pineapple Express, now, I saw that a long time ago, and I thought it was hilarious the first time I saw it. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't find it funny now. But the other movies he did, like Your Highness, The Sitter, um, he directed Eastbound, a couple of episodes of Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals, like... That's not my sense of humor. It's not the kind of people that I think are funny. I really, really abhor and hate Danny McBride as an actor. Like, sorry if you're a fan. I just, I really dislike him. I don't like watching him. I was shocked. And I was, I was extremely, this is another reason why I was, I was extremely nervous because I was like, this is his resume right now. Like, I'm staring at the stuff that you've done and you are taking a beloved horror classic and you're going to do what with it and I was so scared and then I saw even just the small amount of detail that was paid attention to the opening credits and that opening credit sequence and I was like I feel better already so Didn't production on this movie start like three years ago? I, yeah, but I'm really happy they kept it there for as long as they did because we got what we got. If you got blessings from dad, then sure, uh, I'm, f I'm fine with it. And I'm actually really, really happy that Wingard did not do this, um, given the stellar reviews that you and I have given him on the show, with the exception of that one thing. Um... Well, he is a talented director. He just, you know, bit off... I think he bit off more than he could chew with Death Note and then just did it terribly. But we're not talking about Death Note. No. No, we're not. No. Well, no, we're not talking about Death Note right now. Uh, we're not going to We're not gonna open that door. Um, but, okay, so... Just bear with us in the fact that we are probably going to jump around a lot because we love this movie so much. 
I will try to stay with the um, plot as closely as possible so that we try not to do that, but I make no fucking promises. <laughs> so... Okay, so we are now 40 years after the initial Halloween, and like Chris was saying, the opening of the movie is unnerving in like the best way possible. I mean, I got chills when he pulled the mask out of his bag because I was like, oh my god, yay. Oh, Laurie Strode. Thank you, Jamie Lee Curtis. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I do think that one thing that I don't know how they managed to do this and time it as well as they did, because given the time period that we're in right now with Time's Up and Me Too and all of the things that are going on right now, this movie was a perfect allegory for survivors of sexual assault. I was blown away. I was like... I, I, I was seriously, seriously speechless. I was talking about it with a girlfriend of mine and I was just like, this movie, I don't know how they managed to, to do that given the time, given the timing of everything, but it had that as like an undertone throughout the entire thing. And I think that there's something to be said for that because there's a point in the film where the psychotherapist is talking about how a trauma can change a person. And you either become the hunter or the hunted, essentially. And it either, like, destroys you or turns you into a monster. And it's a perfect bookend and a perfect mirror of the original and the movie that we're seeing. Because in the original, Laurie Strode, all, there's a reason why Jamie Lee Curtis was called the Scream Queen, both in real life and in the movie Scream. Because when she sees Michael Myers in the first one, all that's all she does is she cowers and she screams and she runs away. And it became that classic movie trope of like, oh, I'm going to trip over. This was also a nod. Um, back in the old days, and especially it was a reference in the original Halloween movie, people trip over their untied shoelaces when they're running away from Michael Myers, which is how they get caught. Exactly. So when the doctor was like, you might want to tie that shoelace... It was just a nice little, like, tip of the hat. Like, very, like, mild, but it was there. And you go from seeing her like that to 
being obviously very traumatized by that event and trying to have a life and obviously not really succeeding with that. She had a daughter that got taken away at the age of 12, but she, yeah. She has a relationship with her granddaughter. I wouldn't call it healthy. I mean, now it's fine, but she has a relationship with her. Yes. Agreed. No, I absolutely agreed. And I think that you watch Lori go from being afraid to not being afraid and, and being out there and going, no, I'm, I'm going to do this to, again, I shouldn't have to keep saying this every episode, but spoiler alert, like heavy spoilers, even though I know we're delayed in seeing it, but spoiler alert, even going so far as watching the end till the end of the movie, when Lori becomes the hunter and Michael becomes the hunted, it's just this beautiful circle that they've made with this movie that I think is just super important and awesome to see because by the end of the film, you have three amazing strong females as like the face of this movie. And I think that that was one of the best parts of walking away from this, apart from all the nostalgia, nostalgia porn. That was amazing. Not one, but three! Three! Hashtag family, like, Strode family. Okay, so after we have our encounter with a very, I don't want to say damaged, but a very traumatized and semi-alcoholic Laurie Strode, this whole movie is surrounding the fact that after 40 years of being in a mental institution, uh, the state has sort of lost interest in Michael because he hasn't spoken for 40 years. Not that he's incapable. He just does, he just chooses not to. And Michael didn't talk to him the first one. His whole thing is that he just breathes a lot. Like, he doesn't speak. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he just, he doesn't speak. I'm, and I'm totally fine with that. Um... So he's going to be transferred to a much shittier facility uh, to spend out the rest of his days. And, shocking, during the transfer, there's a bus crash. 
and Michael gets out. Um, no, because he was still, he was handcuffed when they got on the bus. Because when he got up, he said, don't, oh, whoa, hold on. Did he say don't shoot with his hands up or did he say don't shoot? And he was, I don't, I don't think he helped him. I think Michael just did it. I just don't think I, you know what I think it was? I think Michael put all of this in motion and he just didn't stop him. Because he said he wanted to observe him in his natural, in his like, nat like natural state or his wild state, whatever it was. I don't think he helped him. So fucking cool. He called him an apex predator. I mean, I, I just, I, I understand where you're coming from. I just personally think that he saw Michael escaping and saw it as an opportunity and was just like, you know what, I'm not going to stand in your way. Because he knew that he would have to catch up with the cops eventually. I don't think he banked on getting shot. But I think he knew like, oh, well, I'm his doctor. They're going to come to me and they're going to ask me stuff. So that's what I, I mean, that's what I think he did I don't think he would have voluntarily I mean I knew there was something off about him when he was like no until he gets to this new facility he's 
he's still my patient, so I'm going to go. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know, bro. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Something, something's not right about that. So, after the bus crashes, that's where the psychotherapist, and I'm not calling him a psychotherapist as in, like, one word psychotherapist. I'm saying he is a psycho and a therapist, so I'm calling him an actual psychotherapist. Like, that's what he is. I'm not, I just wanted to clarify that because it's not writing. I'm, I'm actually just saying it. Um, so after he gets shot, everybody, there's a report on the news that says that there was a bus crash and that all these prisoners escaped and that they found most of them just like wandering around like down the road and like playing with butterflies or some shit. I don't know. And Lori understandably freaks out and like tries to tell her daughter what happened and she's extremely dismissive. And I understand that uh, a lot of that has to do with her upbringing and the way Lori tried to raise her. I mean, she goes in so far as to like, like, freak her out in the sense that Judy Greer comes home, there's no one there, and then her husband comes through the back door, and then Lori, I don't know where the fuck she came from, but she comes down the stairs, she goes, bang, you're dead, and she's like, what the fuck, how did you get in my house? <laughs> I was like, can we go to Lori's for the zombie apocalypse, please, I'll feel so much safer. Sorry, Starla, but I feel a lot safer at Lori's Strode's than at your place. Well, Illinois is closer. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, okay, so fine. Okay, thanks. Oh, glorious bloody spree. Oh my God. In the first like 20 minutes, he leaves four bodies behind. Oh, well, five including the bus driver. Oh my god, yeah, okay, so now wait a minute, let's count this, because this is my favorite part. Hold on, let's count this. He killed the bus driver. He, how many cops did he kill, one or two? There was one dead cop, and then there was one that was kind of alive when the kid found him, and then he died. So it was two cops? So we'll say two cops. Uh, he killed the, he definitely killed the grandfather. Grandpa disappeared, or dad, whoever he was. He disappeared. Mm, okay, then he kills the kid. No, no, he just, he just did it. Well, he evolved. 
Um, so that's so that's five, and I think this is in what the first like ten, fifteen, possibly twenty minutes of the movie. Five kills. This is the best. He kills the guy in the garage. He kills the gas station attendant. With, uh, that was the best when the camera pans over and his jaw is just cr- broken and everything's just like leaking out. Plus the two podcasters. That's nine people so far. You can see him. <gasps> oh, so good. And then he dropped the teeth. It hmm. So, so in that alone, you have nine kills that have happened so far. And then Michael gets in the car and goes into, goes into the town. He, yes, that was a beautiful moment too. When it was just like, do, do, do. And the music started and he puts the mask on and my brain made a really shitty, like Sweeney Todd reference in the back of my brain while that was happening. Like my arm is complete again. I was like, yes. Um, but I like, if yeah. So like huge, like horror boner for this movie. It was just filled with all this wonderful nostalgia and then you see michael quintessential shot just standing there camera like pans up and around and it's halloween and this is one of my favorite nods to arguably one of the shittier i mean halloween okay let's just call it like it is halloween h2o is the shittiest rendition of halloween followed very closely by halloween 3 season of the witch because Michael wasn't even in it. So I have no idea why they called it Halloween 3. Well, no, actually, actually, in the movie, the original Halloween plays on TV as like a fictional movie. I mean, maybe that was their connect. I have no fucking idea. I, it's, a, it's a huge stretch, but it, it's a thing that happened. Um, and then the Rob Zombie remakes, because no offense, Rob Zombie, I love your music, man, but you, and I love the rest of your movies, but you should not have touched Halloween. Especially because he thinks that H2 is better than the first one. That's it. That's it. But they're not canon anymore, so it's great. So, okay, so Halloween season three, Halloween three season of The Witch, it was just god fucking awful. It's, it has to do with a company that, like, brainwashes, uh, um, kids with these masks and this specific channel and blah fucking blah like if you want to waste your time go watch it shutter is actually well by the time you hear this it will have been over but for chris and i shutter is actually live streaming all of halloween today on tv on like shutter tv so i've i well i was watching it today i did too yeah, they were doing like a live, like a live Shutter TV stream today, so I was watching it. Um, but 
there are three trick-or-treaters that pass by Michael that are wearing masks from season, from Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. So that was another little Easter egg that they threw in there. So we, while these universes are no longer canon and no longer accepted, uh, they're still, like, pointing to them and saying, like, hey, like, we know we just reset everything for you, but here's a slight acknowledgement to this. Even down to some of the kills that Michael did in the movie. Um, when he kill, when he finally gets his butcher knife back, when he gets his steak knife back, the lady in the pink robe with the curlers in her hair making a sandwich, that was a nod to a kill that happens in Halloween too. Oh, so am I. Just killing people left and right. Yes. On the side of the house. Oh, that was one of my favorite kills. Oh, my God. Oh, it was so good. There's just so much good about this movie. So, this is now my goal, like, going on his spree, essentially, is what's happening right now. So, okay. So, before we got into town, we had nine kills under our belt. Now, he... He kills... The lady with the curlers, that's 10. And 11 makes the lady with the throat, with a knife through her throat. Okay. And then we get to the babysitter. What started it all? With her really, really shitty, cuntable boyfriend, I might add. No, he doesn't die. No, Cameron doesn't die. Oscar dies. Little pig, rightfully so. He was a shitbag, too. Her boyfriend gets a gnarly death. Through his throat. Um, I think she just got stabbed a bunch. I love how I say that very nonchalantly, but I'm pretty sure she gets like stabbed to hell. Yeah, you hear you hear him stab her a bunch. That was a nod to the first one. Um, she gets stabbed a bunch. So now we're up to my lucky number thirteen.
Well, she shoots him, doesn't she? She gets him right in the shoulder? Okay. It's like a bowl of like whipped cream or some shit. Cause he's an asshole. Well, I think I think the best part of, I think of, I think the best part about all that is is after they happen upon Vicky the babysitter and all of that and Lori shows up with the cops, her daughter is like fuck, she's not crazy. And that sort of realization that sinks in. You could see how hard that hits her like, wow. My childhood was one thing, but she wasn't fucking playing. Okay. That's when they make the decision to go to Lori's house. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going to make the same mistake I did last time. Well, you, you still done fucked up, Hawkins. You die. Son of a bitch. What a fucking psycho. Oh, and she says that he spoke to her. What did he say? Because it was his lifelong obsession. Which I always thought was really fucking stupid of her. I was like, you dumbass. I was like, how many times have you been to grandma's house that you can run through the woods in the middle of the night? Now, what she didn't know was that Michael was preoccupied. So, I mean, I think points off to Michael for most creative kill by turning the cop's head into a jack-o'-lantern. But I remember sitting in this movie and I'm like, all right, they went all out with the gore on this and I'm fine with it. I'm going to need a head splat at some point. I was like, I need some brain matter. And that's exactly exactly what he did to that psychotherapist. He fucking stomped on his head and it splurged like a fucking melon. I, 
Also, I know I've said this, and I know that when I say this to people who, like, aren't fans of horror movies, it really freaks them out. So you're about to question my sanity, and it's totally fine. But there's something, there's something about slasher movies that calm me. I'm not kidding. I'm, I, if I've had a really fucking bad day, there's two things that will make me feel better. Number one, Harry Potter. But I have to be in a specific kind of bad mood for that. The other kind where I'm just like angry and stressed out, I need to watch a good slasher movie. I need to watch people get like fucked the fuck up and I'll be fine. I think it's also a testament to the director that I had so many doubts about for really understanding the film and understanding all of the little things that have that went into it. And kills aside, I, I think that, I mean, for that statement, kills aside, as a general blanket statement, include the kills. I think that that does say a lot about him. Um, that's not to say I think he should now all of a sudden have a career in horror. I just think that this, I mean, this movie had some funny bits. No, no, no. I'm saying him. You and I absolutely. But I'm saying him. I'm not saying that because this is so successful that given after what he's done, he should now have a career in horror movies. I'm saying that this would seem to be very right for him. And I think that that's also what made it so special. Oh, all of it, all of it. Oh God, I thought we were going to lose her. I was so sad. I was like, no, you're the final girl. You have to live.
Yes. I think so. Oh, you mean in the you mean in this movie? No, the the girl that was under the sheet in in this movie was Vicky the babysitter, I think. That's where they found her. I mean, you knew he was in that room. You knew he was in there. And you have to admit, like, he's a crafty motherfucker. But this, this is also, this act is where I was talking about that theory that the therapist had of hunter versus hunted and how trauma affects people. This is that beautiful mirror bookend moment where Lori is now hunting Michael in her own house. Because she wants to finish it. They also had a beautiful nod to the very first movie where Lori gets tossed out the window and she hits the ground. And I was like, oh my god, yes! And we knew she was going to get up as soon as that happened. But I think, and I know I'm running ahead here because we're in the house right now and I, and I have to get to my favorite fucking moment that like sold me on the whole, like just to like close the whole thing for me completely. The door, Michael gets the uh, island door open. He like throws it over and gets it open. And Judy Greer, yeah, Allison has gotten there. Yeah, all of them are together now. Although we know that Lori has disappeared. We just haven't seen her. Um, And this is a beautiful, this, I like i was so excited about this moment this is like my favorite moment from this movie judy greer is like sniffling and crying because she knows michael's coming and she's got her gun like perched like she's ready and she's crying and she's like no mom i can't i can't do it i can't do it and i'm like jesus fucking christ get your shit together i was getting really irritated and then michael just he hears that and it's like it must sound like a dog whistle to him because he immediately was standing in the stairs and all of a sudden Judy Greer cocks her gun and she goes, gotcha. I was like, yes, fuck, yes. I was like, fuck, yes, yes. I was, oh. Like out of the shadows, just like he does. And then it's this whole moment of we find out that that whole basement thing, it wasn't a cage. Because this entire time they've been referring to the basement as a cage, as a cage, as a cage to like keep her down there. And then there's this beautiful trigger twist of it wasn't a cage, it's a trap. And they trap Michael's ass down there. And Lori... And he's just standing there looking up at him like, what? She fucking lights her whole house on fire. Now, two th- now, now there are three things that happen. The third thing happens way, way, way further down. Two things that occur. Number one, they all get out of the house, and everything goes up in flames. They run out to the street. They track down uh, a truck driver, and they all leave the house. The camera goes from the truck back to the house. What do you see? 
ding, 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 ding. The entire fucking house is on fire and Michael's no longer standing at the bottom of the stairs. What? He is the original boogeyman. He could literally be anywhere. He could have just like pulled a Kool-Aid man and like walked out of the side of the house. Like I can see that. He absolutely could have. And then thing number two that I that I sort of just like, I got like little tinges of just excitement by seeing this. The granddaughter, Allison, is holding the bloody butcher knife that they attack Michael with when he comes into the house at the in the back of the truck. They're all laying together, but she's still holding on to that knife. And I'm just like, hmm, okay. I'd be down for that if she turns into a fucking psycho. You know how I feel about lady serial killers. But more importantly, and I, I don't know if this is an Easter egg or you can read into this, whatever you will. But if you stay till the very end of the movie, if you stay till the end of the credits, they don't pull like a Marvel movie and give you like a secret scene. They do something that's a little better than that. At the end of the credits, when the music is done, all you hear is Michael breathing. And that's it. And it's good, and you read into that whatever you will. Now, me personally, I know that Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, there's been some debate as to whether Jamie Lee Curtis was like, yeah, let's do it, let's do another one or not. Because I know she was, I know she was game for this one provided it was just like point A to point B. Um... It's not surprising, but I felt so much satisfaction from this movie. Like, this movie to me was everything I needed from a Halloween sequel. It felt very complete, right?
Yeah, I just, I don't think that a sequel after this is necessary because then it sort of becomes like, so you're going to do another Halloween universe again? Like, it just, it, it feels excessive, that's all. Same. Oh, that would be nice. I'd be all right with that. Oh, that's too much. Yeah, it was in production for a while, right? Take your time, do it right, like. Yeah. Well, put it this way, she probably grew up listening to stories about her grandmother from her mom who had it from a skewed perspective and an obviously damaged and broken relationship. She had to grow up listening to her mom talk about her, her grandmother like that. So that has to do something to you. And then to find out that like all these stories not only were like true, but had a true fearful reason behind it, that's gonna fuck you up. Now... The only thing I could think of is if you, like, open a sequel after this with Lori, like, not in it. Because in my eyes, like, she did what she had to do. So either Lori has to already be dead or she's gonna die. Either she's gonna die of old age She's either going to be dead in the beginning because she died of old age and because she completed her, like, core purpose at this point. Or, yeah, Michael's going to fucking kill her because you waited 40 years to do the right sequel. Also, I'll be, I'll be honest, you did the right sequel. You waited 40 years to do that. What's going to happen? Like, how long are you going to wait this time? Even if you wait 10 years, there's, there's, there's just... I don't see another Halloween movie existing where, I mean, I would like to see one where all three of them sort of work together, but part of what made this movie so powerful was that they all worked together at the end of it, and it ended with that really strong imagery. I don't see that carrying through as a trope in the next one. I, I just, I can't. Mmm. I I would think so, yeah. 
I don't know. But that that's the only thing I could see, like, really working. I can't see all three of them working again as a solid three-act movie. And uh, honestly, what makes Halloween Halloween is Laurie Strode. So, I don't know. Well, they did it in the second and the third one. That's why I'm just sort of like, no, leave it alone. Like, you did the, the best possible. They can eat my ass. Like, it, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think there's a cause for a one after. I mean, granted, I know I said that about this one, but I was obviously very wrong. And there always, always that possibility I could be just as wrong about the next one. I just don't see that happening. <laughs> I guess. I mean, we should do another Shutter episode, but that's not the point. I'm going to go see it again. Because it was that good. I put it this way, I, I really highly recommend that you go see it. There's a reason that it has done so well. And I think that if you were skeptical before, it's going to surprise you. And it's going to be great. And... Oh, absolutely. There's, watch it for all of that stuff. Watch it for the nostalgia. Watch it for, if you're a fan of the kills and slasher movies, watch it for that too. I mean, there's a lot there. And they, this was the sequel to Halloween that, as we know, I didn't think we needed or, or cared for. I was so, so wrong. And I'm really happy I was wrong. Also, quick fun fact, the guy that played the original Michael Myers makes a cameo as Michael. And I think that's awesome. Yes. All in all, even though I had my doubts, you did well. It is, and I hope that it remains the same if the director chooses to do this again. I hope he proves me wrong again. I really do. I, I, I'm fiercely loyal to my horror movies, so I, I get very, I get very protective. <laughs> Thank you.
Agreed. Go see Halloween if you haven't. If you have, go see it again. I wish it was my birthday because it feels like it is. <laughs> it's my favorite holiday. Yeah, do yourself a favor. Go see this. And then when you're done, because if the boogeyman scares you too much, go watch The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. <laughs> and The Haunting of Hill House! I did. That's right. This is the conclusion of our double whammy spoop timber. I think that it also is up for some debate. Gee! 